Hello, welcome again to the Mike Thrace podcast. You're listening to your host, the Mike Thrace. Identity shifting. It's the buzz. It's the big buzzword, or buzzwords, I should say, for the manifestation space that I've come across a lot more again lately. Yet it's not a new thing. If you've listened to most of my episodes on this podcast around shifting energy, change your reality, and either where I'm at at the moment, I'm recording this in my car in Byron Bay, a different reality. So you may hear a few cars go past. And that's part of the, the change, the shift in the reality. That when we're looking at manifestation as a means for change, we're feeling a call to bring something in. There's something within our heart that's wanting change. And we're basically getting out of the way of allowing it. While vision boards and imagining from Neville Goddard and all these techniques are allowing the subconscious to bring forward the change, perhaps the most simplest realisation of this is beyond imagining or even envisioning the future, is embodying the identity, an identity beyond name or form, but virtually a function or an image. So it's still the space of imagining or imaging is what Neville would call it. And it ties in with all the, I guess, the, the new thought teachers of the early part of the 20th century and also ancient alchemical principles of the Hermetic way and virtually Christ-conscious teachings of change your reality through believing you're different. But how can you allow something to be different if you don't believe it? Well, that's, that's the key, and that's the aspect of identity, identity shifting. <laughs> so for me, more than trying to be different because I want to become worthy, this idea that we need to achieve all these things, and it's never enough, and we're always looking for worth. The danger for this particular Medalist perspective that already believes you're worthy <laughs> is to ultimately, if you're thinking the future will provide worth, you're ultimately blocking it off in now. So for a manifestation to be natural, particularly one that's a hard-aligned one, it's got to feel natural. It's got to be in harmony with the Tao, the divine. So what is the Tao moving you towards? It's an interesting thing, isn't it? The Tao and when I'm talking about the Tao, I'm talking about the Tao Te Ching, the ancient mystical teachings of Lao Tzu and the, the Eastern tradition. And Tao does blend with Buddhism that becomes Zen. And Zen is ultimately Zen and Christ conscious, the two of the foundational teachings of awakening, particularly spiritual awakening for both Buddhist learners and teachers. And Eckhart Tolle, who's a big proponent of Zen. But the idea that you need to get somewhere or do anything, even make something happen, is probably foreign to Zen, to Tao, because it's ultimately letting go. It's the greatest practice. But this is the, the beauty of Zen and Taoism, that the ability to create ultimately is to let it go, that the most productive things happen through not trying, through believing, through letting go. That the Tao does no thing, yet leaves no thing undone. And it's, it's so strange that you, you literally practice not doing, being. 
And this is the fusing of everything I've been talking about on the channel. But you can't quite get there from the mind, can you? The mind that's wanting to find worth in the future, that's been told it needs to achieve, to be worthy, to receive, it can't embody that, it can't receive that, because it's a it's an archetype or a state of conscious, which is a gear to believing that we're already worthy. So you've got to believe you're worthy to receive. And depending on what it is that's coming forward, the greatest way to receive it is to embody it, to believe it, to shift to what is beyond an identity. It's the image. But it would, I guess the simplest way is to call it an identity, is this identity shift. But remember, all that's really shifting is the image that's cloaked around the form, the Tao, the divine, that you are part of, the I am. So this is where it may be handy to bridge these two worlds of realizing that while we are, we have a name and a form, a present identity with quotation marks around it, the ability to change ultimately is moving beyond that name and form through allowing the inner part of this, the divine I am through aligning with the consciousness which is able to change the form, the formless, the Tao. So it's this funny thing that the ability for, to create change comes in the formless, yet ultimately the result of it is the form. But the ability for the form to change ultimately is how we believe. <laughs> so the divine, the faith, faith, your faith is your fortune, is one of the most renowned books by Neville Goddard. Believing you are the, the image that you're creating. So what's going to get you to that image? For me, I guess, yeah, beginning this with Byron Bay, and, and this is an example. When I was back in Melbourne earlier this year after living in Kingscliff, I was still endeavouring to return to Byron Bay. And while living in Kingscliff before coming to Melbourne, I used to commonly drive down here. And this was a dream of probably seven years ago when I first visited Byron Bay I loved it and I had an intention to come back here. And while that took me on the Camino journey and multiple other aspects, ultimately I got back up here before I moved to Kingsliff and I was in the town, I stayed here, I stayed in their BB, but it, I wasn't fully embodied in that. I didn't feel, feel completely confident or aligned with that frequency of Byron May, particularly Suffolk Park. But I was fortunate to move up to Kingsliff, which is about half an hour north of Byron Bay. And that felt very aligned, and I was stepping into a prosperity conscious space and a lovely new home. And a, a, a frequency of abundance was able to create works of prosperity. But this is the interesting thing about Byron Bay, that it is all of the above. You have to do the inner work. If you've got to embody the frequency of Byron May, it's both a wanderer energy and an entrepreneurial energy. And ultimately, to be the entrepreneur, you've got to go through the wanderer. So, while I had this space of, in Kingsleaf and I was working and I was building, I still had challenges and I felt drawn to go back to Mara Bay, particularly in the wanderer energy that didn't feel completely worthy, particularly in the body and, and achievement and wanting to find my worth. So that resulted in the manifestation. Ultimately, the, the place in Kingsleaf had to move out and move back to Melbourne. But when I was in Melbourne, and this is where the imaging and the identity shift, I guess you can label it that, I don't really mind either way, but I think it's important to be aware that the meaning of identity will, has an effect on our consciousness. 
if we're so attached to it, it can be very difficult to shift it. Hence why it might be better to use image or function or cloak. And I feel that's important because words do have a very powerful effect on our reality. But that being said, identity shifting is still the more common term. I feel you could call it alignment with your higher self. How about alignment shifting might even be a better term. But in terms of the function of perception of self, the personality, an outer form, which could be labelled an identity, I was wanting to make sure I returned to Byron May, even when I lived in Melbourne. So while I was working on my books at that time, particularly during a lockdown, I was very loath to leave the home where I was staying with my parents in the upstairs area working. Because I wanted to still believe I was living in Byron May. I was still imagining I was walking the streets of, of, this, of where I visited six months earlier before I moved into Kingscliff. I was very much visualising I was in that space of some of the same shops I'd been to, restaurants I visited. But I wasn't too attached to it either. I was aware that I'm focusing on that task at the moment, which is the books. I was aware that, yeah, conceptually I'm living in Melbourne. But practising the Neville Goddard technique, I was embodying living in Byron May. And ultimately, while I had patience around that space, I got back to Byron May. But this is the, the crux of the issue, isn't it? My heart was wanting me to come to Byron May because I felt it was a divine purpose. The Tao was moving me in that direction. It wasn't something to add to myself. Ultimately, to buy a mega mansion or have all these achievements, that would be adding to the self. And while I'm open to those arriving, to embody the frequency of that, I wasn't quite yet ready. I can match the frequency of Byron May, but I couldn't match yet match the frequency of the big, beautiful home and abundance. But this is the journey that we're on, and this is where the Tao space is so effective. The Tao cultivates being a flow, and while it could also be minimalism in its ability to let go, letting go ultimately is about bringing forward our dreams. It's bringing forward the, the dream of our heart. So for me, my heart space was getting me to Byron May, but what is it that may be calling in your heart? I've written about this, and I talked about particularly my first book, I Am Michael, A Journey of the Heart, where my simple dream was to write, I write a book. I didn't have anything really beyond that, and that had been a dream that had been gestating for approximately 15 years. I'd almost given up on it before this uh, opportunity arose. But as I walked the way, the Camino, in a very much a letting go, it's, it's literally called the way in the Tao Te Ching. The Tao does translate to way. I was walking the Tao. I was being at one with the Tao. That was cultivating a new space. You could call it a new identity. It was a wanderer energy. The wanderer energy is the traveler energy, and it's quite a powerful energy because it facilitates change. And that's where it can be really handy to transition out of one fixed firm identity to a new image, one that's wanting to come forward. For me, it was the writer. But whereas wanting to become a writer to prove worth is ultimately going to be blocked when we're looking at that as a, a future outcome, we can still embody it. I was able to believe in it. And then the funny thing that seemed to happen is in walking the Camino, I was actually already a writer because I was keeping a journal as what, of what was to become I Am Michael, Jenny Hart, while walking. I wasn't attached to it. 
So this is the very interesting thing around conscious manifestation in this space and changing our reality. It's a lot easier to change when we don't need it. There's something I talked about a few weeks ago. But ultimately, the Tao is always facilitating change. So what's been interesting, been, what has been interesting for me lately also is change from a space of not doing and allowing and being and letting go. Ultimately, sometimes we want to force things, don't we? Because we've been taught, particularly if we've had success in, in changing our reality from a young age, more from an identity. We've reached an identity from ethylene and proving. And this is what I talk about in Be Prosperity Conscious, where we're, we're taught to create change from forcing. And while they do have an effect, if you look back on a lot of the success that got you there, while there's certain training and, and ethening may have been involved, a lot of it could have been done a lot more efficiently. And a lot of the, the synchronicities and eventual success came from being in that flow space. Letting go would allow opportunities to arrive when we gave up trying to effort, trying to force. At the same space with moving to a new image, shifting identity and ultimately to shift that it's about working more with the subconscious working with how you feel and that's where it's a different space rather than trying to think from a conceptual mind differently and while that may happen this is the subtle thing and it may be a little bit difficult to grasp on first listening so if it is a bit confusing i'd definitely just listen to this again or going back over my earlier videos the subconscious mind that is the most powerful form of manifestation. It's, it's constructed the reality. Works more on a feeling basis than a thinking basis. But it's not to say that our thoughts don't create our reality. But remember what I talked about in Be Prosperity Conscious. It's more the way we feel that guns our thoughts than the way we think that constructs the way we feel. And that's a real powerful thing. I'll repeat it again. It's more the way we feel that affects our thoughts and hence our reality than the way we think that affects our feeling. Yes, they're related and you can literally change the way you feel by thinking better thoughts. But what is going to construct the greater outcome is working with the embodiment of the feeling space. Not just being solely caught up in mind. And that's where a heart space alignment can be so powerful. When you think from the mind... You are ultimately aligning with the mind, the identity that's already present. But when you think from the heart, you're constructing a feeling space. You're working more with the subconscious. And that's what I talk about in my first book, A Journey of the Heart. That's what where all the transformation happened. Because you can talk about so many processes and visioning and constructing a scene and scripting the reality, which I did with Falling and Dining. They're all very powerful, but why... Falling and dying is so powerful because I'm working with the feeling dimension. I'm working with archetypal states. I'm in the full wanderer energy, but then I'm working through the shadow through going into the feeling dimension of each of the major arcana cards. I'm working with that construct of the card, which has a collective conscious image of itself. So it's very interesting that to use the manifestation as a tool, ultimately it's about... How can I feel my wish fulfilled? How can I feel differently? How can I feel as if I've already got what's been inspired to come through me? It's not necessarily through feeling worthy. This is the interesting thing. If you're looking for that to feel worthy, oh, I'm worthy now, it's ultimately got to block it off. You've got to embody worthiness in the now. 
already. And so when you, when it does arrive, it has to feel natural. So that's the interesting thing. Whatever it is, for me, living in Byron had to feel natural. And hence it was. And working other things like getting a motorcycle, imaging, I just saw one go past right as, as I was talking about this. That was a big step on that manifestation, particularly in the wanderer energy to go into as an entrepreneur. I had to feel comfortable on the motorcycle. I had to visualize the motorcycle feeling comfortable, but I had difficulty when it didn't feel comfortable for me, when I was trying to think myself into that. But ultimately when I let go of it and became more comfortable being on a motorcycle, that was that when the manifestation came in my reality and it presented as in other things. So where is it in your reality that you're wanting to change? I feel relationships are always the most common one, aren't they? And this is the interesting thing, and I feel it's probably worth re-emphasizing again. If we're looking for relationships to be the answer to our worthlessness, and that sounds like a harsh thing, but conditional worth where we're trying to find the house, the relationship, the material wealth to feel worthy, well, ultimately, it's not going to fulfill on a constructive basis. We might get the relate, we might get all those things, but we'll still be missing the, that worthiness. And ultimately, we don't really attract someone who can align with that frequency. We're probably going to align with someone who's also looking for a partner to be worthy, also looking for a home to feel worthy, also looking for the, the job identity to feel worthy. But this is the space. If you're looking for external worth in the future, you're not embodying it now, and hence you can't ever receive it in an unconditional basis. You've got to be worthy in this moment, and it doesn't come from conceptual thinking. Again, it comes back to the feeling dimension. And while everything in our current reality might be telling us where we're missing something, and hence why Neville Goddard's techniques are so powerful, because he's saying disregard what's going on in your present reality. That's for me. Disregard that I'm living in Melbourne. Feel as if I'm in Byron Bay. Disregard what your bank account's showing you. Don't be so attached to it. Feel as if it's already provided. Look at certain items that you would look to purchase. You don't have to physically purchase them. Certain investments, certain wealth you would share as if the money was there. Feel as it, and just a very loose, practical, fun way. Don't put any effort into it. Remember, it's about the naturalness of it. So the powerful way to image a new reality, to change your reality, is through being what you've already asked for. And that is what people will commonly identify as identity shifting. But ultimately, it can be done in this moment, and the success of it is embodying it. I feel this is where vision boards and image imagination creates reality are ultimately already working. If you think about it from a heart space, more than a conceptual space, feel into it. Look at the images you've already created on a vision board. They're creating a scene where you're already living in that space. And they're not efforted because they're placed on a board. You may use a physical image or you may write out a goal list. But you've written it in line from the heart space because it's a Taoist wanting to come forward into your reality. And as you're a conscious creator, you're empowered to change your reality. They're natural. But you don't necessarily have to look at that vision board every day. You don't have to be preoccupied with it not being here. It's more of the feeling dimension. So what is going to allow you to feel it? For Neville Goddard with Imagining Creates Reality, he's working with the scene. He, su he suggests that you construct the scene where the wish is fulfilled, whether it is the home, whether it is the job. 
It's still playing with the subconscious. But remember the same principles were at work here. You've got to feel worthy of it. And ultimately its arrival is aligned with the frequency of you matching that worth. Because you don't want something that just comes and then it goes. And I've been in that space. Because I didn't feel deep enough in the worth. I was able to practice the principles, but I wasn't fully able to embody it. Thanks again for listening to this. I've dug deep, dove deep, gone deep down the rabbit hole, particularly with imaging changing the reality. It's important to cultivate the feeling dimension. And although there's a lot of books and there's, this is a podcast and you're listening to, the power of the spoken word of listening, sometimes listening to something is a lot more powerful than actually reading it or even writing it or speaking it. So how is it that you've got to feel your reality that's wanting to change? Ultimately, it's about cultivating that feeling space in your subconscious mind. Work with what feels natural for you. Bye for now.